Trigger-proof transmission. I'm getting warmed up. Getting warmed up. I had a few questions, and I really wanted to share the answer with you. Let me just see here. Had some questions yesterday, and um, some haters on my business page. And I thought, hey, what a great opportunity for me to share. First thing that I wanted to share is... Um, I feel a little bit of guilt right now because I haven't been here sharing and dropping content that helps you regulate your nervous system, helps you take ownership of your life, your mind, your body, your relationships, not not ownership of your relationships, but empowerment within your relationships rather than the victim kind of energy that we usually bring because of unresolved wounding. And um, that's why I started this uh, Facebook group. If you're brand new here, welcome. My name is Dr. Nima Romani. I am a chiropractor by trade, by training, in been in practice for 20 years, and uh, almost 20 years. And I notice patterns, and I notice that people coming in to see me t for health-related issues were actually dealing with stress-related issues. And the more that I developed myself as I went through healing my own attachment wounds, the more I realized that what is getting people to see me is actually unresolved attachment trauma. So I unknowingly, by working on my own so that I could you know, make sense of some of the relationship catastrophes that I had created in my life, thinking that were created by somebody else. Um, I was able to unknowingly put together a methodology called the overview method, which helps people get to the root cause of the root cause of the root cause as we go upstream to create health, a healthy body. Uh, a healthy body, uh, what I realized in 20 years in the healing profession, as a chiropractor, as a doctor helping people heal, healing and transformation became really important to me. And as I l turned that, you know, vision towards myself to make sense of some of the breakdowns in my relationships and my divorce and uh, why I kept getting into the same kind of patterns, I realized that there is like an overlap between your health, between your relationships, between your connection to your spirituality, between, um, <clears throat> and notice how I didn't say nutrition. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Because here's why. I don't teach nutrition because my ex-wife is a nutritionist and we're friends and she finished nutrition and She's like, it's just a joke. I go, why? He goes, because your body knows what to eat. <laughs> you inherently know what it is uh, that you are supposed to be eating. The question is, why are we choosing foods that are not nourishing? You know, why are we, you know, why are we, <clears throat> why are we, using food as a sedative rather than as a fuel, right? And so those are more important questions. Once you answer that question and you deal with that, what to eat gets pretty easy. Not only that, but your digestive system and your immune system and all of your systems of your body start working in unison, not against one another. And so you're, you can have gluten without freaking out. You know what I mean? Your sensitivities that we can blame as the culprit 
actually they become less sensitive because your nervous system is not as triggered your nervous system is not as dysregulated and when you regulate your nervous system all parts of your body your relationships your comfort in just sitting within yourself transforms and so when i discovered this <clears throat> i knew that just being in an office wasn't really enough wasn't really enough to get to the root of it and i just I don't know. Gave myself permission, even though I knew that I wasn't going to. I was going to hear, "You're not qualified. You're not qualified," which is what one of the um, uh, kind of messages on my business page yesterday from a woman who is a teacher who didn't write the word "your" correctly, which I find very ironic. I had to call her out on that. <clears throat> Sometimes I like to be playful and and just talk back to the, the trolls and the haters. I, I mean. Before, I used to want to defend myself, but now it's like, oh, you're not qualified. So the reason why I'm sharing this with you is what qualifies me to have this conversation with you is 20 years in the healing profession, actually working one-on-one -on -one with people who are coming in with stress-related disorders, going through a divorce, which now, you know, that was 10, 12 years ago, <clears throat> we are so... Uh, okay with one another she sent me a she sent me and Diana a, uh, a a gift for for Dominic and we love it it's this little strap that allows Dominic to be um, you know you know skin to skin and you know it's what I forget what they're called you know those little things that you put babies in where you can just walk around and it's just like a strap a wrap it's like a wrap so I'm able to you know resolve those conflicts enough enough of the inner work to be able to heal to the point where you know I was able to be there for my ex-wife's uh, mother who was at her you know you know in the last couple of months of her life going to doctor's appointments and being able to say goodbye and so the results of this work for me have been to heal from relational breakdowns I haven't dealt with touch wood, haven't been dealing too much with health problems because I understand that by healing my emotional wounds that happened in childhood, I prevent chronic illness down the road. In the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Events study, look it up, the ACE study, it says unequivocally, as far as your health goes, that the number one predictor of chronic illness, uh, obesity, all sorts of mental health issues uh, is childhood trauma, unresolved childhood trauma. And so I figured that out. It was something intuitively that I knew when I would see patients coming in, I could feel and sense. I mean, if you've been doing something for 20 years, you can kind of, you kind of get a sixth sense for it. You kind of become unconsciously competent in it. And I'm, that's how I am as a chiropractor. When a patient comes in, I, like, you can talk to me, and just by your body language, I can actually feel and sense, you know, when I work with clients, I can actually feel and sense just from their body posture, their eye contact, the words they choose, how eloquent they are in their speech, how much trauma and shame and dissociation they're holding on to. I could sense this in people, and I could feel that, you know what you know i got to a point in my practice where i was like what adjustment can i give somebody whose problem was caused because of an unresolved sexual shame for example sorry i mean i can adjust you and you will feel better and they'll feel a lightness in your nervous system and 
ah, oh, I can breathe, and you might even have better bowel movements after, you know, after you get adjusted. But that shame is still there. But that unresolved grief is still there, that unresolved childhood event, usually in the form of an attachment wound or an attachment trauma. By attachment, I mean <clears throat> our connection to our caregivers. I want you to, an attachment, it's quite frankly, that's what it is. I want you to look at your relationship, for example, with your partner as invisible fiber optic cables together. You know what I'm talking about, where you can kind of assess how attached are we right now? Say you get into a conflict and you don't, you don't speak, like you're just really upset with one another, you get triggered, you get into an argument. Well, a few of those cords of attachment, those fiber optic cables, uh, they become what we call ruptured. The problem is, is that this happens, with, I mean, growing up, how many times do we rupture with our parents? Quite often, right? That's part of the growing up process. It's part of family dynamics. Ruptures happen. The question is, when those ruptures happen for you, and I would love for you to write in the comment section the answer to these questions. I don't just want you to watch this. I want you to engage with this and just really see if you can make this land in your body, make this real. Answer this question because this will be the foundation of everything that, uh, of these questions that I am answering from your uh, specific questions that you had for me. When you had a rupture with your, it, with a conflict with your parent, or you saw rupture, uh, ruptures happening with arguments and conflict growing up, what was your experience of repair like? <clears throat> what was your experience of repair like? Did you even have repair? <clears throat> I mean, I look back and I think to myself, and I don't think I've ever heard my mother and father own up to anything or apologize for anything to me growing up. It was never, I, I had always led to believe that this rupture was my fault. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you relate to that? In other words, my experience of rupture, of attachment wounds, here was my experience that I grew up with was it was always my fault. Uh, I'm bad. I'm inherently bad. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad kid. Um, if I'm having emotions that are big, that causes mom and dad to have even bigger ones. So I'm taught that my own emotions and my own feelings are not valid. They're not validated. My reality of what I choose that I love to do, not validated. And so conflict was a thing where conflict would happen and then I would feel a withdrawal of love and I'd never had a parent sit me down and say, you know what, see how I reacted there, Nima, to you? I was, I reacted out of my own guilt and shame from my experiences from my own childhood with my parents, your grandparents. And uh, I take full responsibility of that. That wasn't fair for me to, uh, to dump on you. That was my shame that I dumped on you. What was that like for you, Nima? Tell me what that was like. What was what was that like for you? I really want to know because I want you to tell me about your experience and I want to really hear it from your perspective because I'm really dedicated to growing as a parent and becoming more of a of a whole human being. Any anybody had that experience with a with a mother or father? I don't know anybody who did. <laughs> 
I sure as fuck didn't. <laughs> so conflict wasn't modeled well. Repair wasn't modeled well. Repair from a rupture was not modeled well. So it's of no surprise why we then grow up with these attachment wounds. And then we don't even know that they're there until we get into relationships. And these unhealed attachment wounds, they have a funny way of showing up. And then what happens is we, we think we're in control of our lives, but it's not true. We're not. We're actually run by those attachment wounds because they form the neurological foundation of your entire nervous system, your entire social engagement system, your entire sense of self, your entire sense of self-worth, <laughs> your health and well-being, your deserving level, your uh, confidence. It all is the foundation in these atta early attachment wounds. And when I discovered this as a chiropractor, I was like, whoa. I started to back away from the day-to-day -day practice and I started to create content. And this methodology that I created called the overview method, which was just kind of like a weekend workshop that I would teach in my office 10 years ago, 11 years, 12 years ago now, 11 years ago now. In these tiny little things, I charge 25 bucks to come. It's called Life Skills for a Stressful World. And over 10 years, it's now developed into the overview experience, overview method, which is a three-day live event. And thanks to COVID, I've been able to break it up into two events online. Like tomorrow, we have it, Breathwork and Badassery. It's coming up. Actually, I have a link for you right here. You definitely want to come. This is the result of, hmm, I would say maybe... Uh, I don't know how many years. I'll leave it in the comment section. Okay? Uh, I will leave it in the comment section. Hey. Hey, Dave. Ruptures were repaired well. Baseline, low level. Was constant low level fear and shame. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Dave, exactly. So that affects us. Okay? That affects us. That affects us. Those ruptures that are unhealed they affect us and they those are trauma and it leads to chronic health problems down the road unresolved childhood wounding that you think you're forgiven here's the problem 90% of the clients that come to us they say this oh I did this weekend workshop or I did all this work and then we wrote the letter and then we burned it and then forgave them forgive I forgive you dad or mom or whatever and whatever but I'm like okay so how's your relationship with them well I don't speak to them Okay, because they are this way, they are that way. Well, then that means that you haven't yet been able to get to the place. I'm sure you've come a long way, but you haven't really been able to transcend your subordination of them. When you truly finish the work, and let's be honest, it's never finished. We're always evolving. When you really get there, you've now, please write this down, transcended transcended your subordination of their opinion. In other words, you're able to get into a room, have them tell you how to live your life, how to parent your child, which is what's happening pretty much every day now with my mom. And it really, I mean, had I not done this work, I would have been screaming at her every day because she's always constantly giving me advice on parenting. How are you doing this? Oh, is he doing that? Want me to tell you why? It's because of this, it's because of that. And yes, she's a Persian mom. Yes, 
it's annoying. And now because of the work I've done, I see through it. I actually see it as love. I'm like, you know what, mom? Thank you. So she's like telling me what I should, like Diana had a, you know, infection, right? And so she's now giving me her diagnosis and here's what you got to do this juice, that juice, tell her to do this. And before that would have just, before I did the work, that would have made my fucking skin crawl. Shut the fuck up. Mom, I'm a doctor for fuck's sakes. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Now the version of me is, you know what, mom? I really appreciate having a mother who cares so much. And then I still do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> but I let her because I know she doesn't she she didn't have this work available to her. So I know for a fact that, you know, to hope that she'll change to finally fit my narrative of how a mother should be, rather than loving her as she is, uh, it's not available. So I've shifted myself, I've adapted myself to actually loving her for who she is. And it's so amazing to have that ally in my life. It's so cool. I mean, I would have left, I would have, if I had let my stories uh, of, of my old attachment wounds run me, I would never have, like, I wouldn't have the amazing experience of, you know, having my wife experience amazing Persian food and all this. Like, it's just been because I've learned to really get over it and not just fake get over it like most people say but truly love unconditionally to the point where I'm not afraid I like you know more love <laughs> you know a, a connection is it, 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 it feels safe to connect in other words if I don't feel here's here it is if I don't feel safe in my own body I won't feel safe to connect with the person I resented so my work is to create safety in my own body. Because if I don't, then I'm dealing with health issues. It's not just the relationship problems. I'm saying it translates down. Obesity, uh, health issues. Uh, and by the way, I'm not fat shaming here. Somebody called me fat shaming when I said, holy cow, it's crazy. I'm talking about obesity. I'm talking about heart, heart disease. I'm talking about cancer. I'm talking about an early grave when we don't fully open our hearts to heal, right? And so, um, because we never get taught how to let go, right? We never get taught how to let go. So that's the back, background story of it. Why, as a chiropractor, I'm talking about this. And the cool part about it is now that I've merged and started to teach upstream about why people get sick in the first place and help people heal, I realized that just from my own life, that the secret to a healthy mind body life is healing intergenerational trauma. Healing the traumas inside, creating safety within that my parents weren't able to give me because of their own unconsciousness. And now I'm able to create like my own family. Like I have a family now and I, that was not possible for me because I was so stuck in my victim and my child, my inner, inner child and inner victim that basically runs the show when we want our mommy and daddy to finally see us. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally okay to feel that way. We actually, in order to heal, we need to give space to that wounded child inside of us to actually express. That's part of the healing process. And so that's why I do this work. And so uh, the breath work and badassery that's tomorrow and the overview experience next week is my integration of the best of the best 
in the personal development world from neuroscience, uh, cognitive-based and somatic-based healing, top-down, bottom-up, to give a complete kind of picture, multi-modalities, uh, and you leave feeling safe in your body, feeling courageous enough to love unconditionally and healing your and healing your attachment wounds. So I'm going to answer a couple questions that were really good. Uh, any Anything that comes up, just let me know. Uh, uh, Laura, I wanted to give you a, a big shout out. Laura has uh, been working with us, started anxiety, skin picking, uh, victim to her ex-partner, three-year legal battle, uh, divorced, abusive marriage, now in a relationship with somebody who basically is like, all right, uh, enough of your drama. I want this to, you know, I, I can't handle this anymore. And she was like, wait, let me just work with this group and just before you kick me out of your life, just give me a chance. So we started healing her attachment wounds and she literally has shifted her relationship dynamic. Her children don't have anxiety. They're starting to thrive. Her uh, documentary is, is, you know, getting published and uh, she's now crushing it with work and her relationship, her partner was like, Hey, w w you know, where's this going? Are we going to get married soon or what? What's up? We're going to have kids. What's up? And uh, her relationship with her ex and her parents have totally changed. Her relationship with her ex is now that they don't, they're now settling without having to go through a, a legal battle. And she's reconciled, not reconciled back together, but now we're co-parents. Co we're like a team. And so I keep saying this, um, the work that I do is I stand for healed families because I know that healed families create a transformation of society it heals your body it heals your mind and so everything that i do everything that i'm teaching you is all about healing it's just for the sake of healing it's not making you wrong for anything it's not feel having you feel ashamed for what you go what's what you're going through it's actually or, or even your resentment there's nothing shameful about it it's all right i get what's happened this is what you went through let's have the conversation of healing and possibility and so one of the questions that I was ha had from a late 30s client of ours who was still stuck. She had cheated on her partner at the beginning of their relationship within their first year, and they stayed together for 10 years. And for 10 years, she was just beating the crap out of herself. These sh thoughts of shame, one foot in the relationship, one foot out, back and forth. Truly, she wasn't ready for marriage, but she found this great guy who was like ready. And sh this happened. And she couldn't get past the, the shameful thoughts. Ultimately, after 10 years, led to the demise of her relationship. Hasn't really been able, that was like five, six years ago, hasn't really been able to connect with anyone since. And then now her body is starting to break down. Hormones are completely out of whack, anxious all the time, and can't control her thoughts. And she's like, I need help. And here's the key. When I get into the, I love my mom, but when I get into the room with her, I feel this anger and rage when she's in the room and I need to figure that out. She'd fall, been following my content and she's like, okay, it's time. I'm ready to deal with this because I want a family of my own and I know that this incompleteness is blocking my ability to create and see my power and my value and live in shame. That was question number one. And she, she asked, why, couldn't I let, why can't I let go of these thoughts of unworthiness? Okay, why can't I? So I want to answer that. If you're ever having going through a, um, a situation where you're having intrusive thoughts, let me know if you can resonate with this. That you're having in, 
my life has completely changed. 180 degrees is a different life. Yeah, babe. Totally. Totally. You are crushing it. Um, <clears throat> so here's the question. Do you have, have you ever gone through a period of time where you have intrusive thoughts? Intrusive thoughts like you can't get rid of them. Self-punishing. How do you, like why? What's going on? I'm going to answer that question for you by today. The second question <clears throat> from a 50-year-old entrepreneur going through a separation, stuck between two women, not knowing which way to go, uh, his wife and this other person, and he basically can't say no to either of them. Both of them are pining. Both of them are really laying it on thick. Both of them know about the other, and he's just like, uh, and he can't say no. He's, why can't I just ask for what I need in a relationship? And why do I keep pleasing to the point of losing myself? So if you've ever had an experience where you don't, you're just constantly pleasing and you don't know, don't have the courage to ask for what you want, let me know if that's true, and I'm going to answer that for you all within one transmission. And here's the third question uh, from Kathy. Kathy asked, why can't I let go of toxic patterns? Why can't I? I, I know that, that's, that I've been doing it. I've been following, you know, I've done a couple of, you know, seminars or whatever, and now I know what's happening, but why can't I let go of these toxic patterns? Why do I keep attracting partners who are constantly going, we're going through this cat and mouse game, this push-pull, right? So I have an answer for that one too, and it's all part of the same kind of, I'm going to kind of weave it all in together. I don't know how, but I'm going to weave it in together because it's all related to the same thing. And the fourth question is <clears throat> from a woman yesterday, she said, how can I love my daughter who's a narcissist behaving in horrible ways? Not in so many words. That was what she said. So I'm going to hope, hopefully, if you have had those experiences where you see somebody that you care about, that they have, they have to have them in your life, like a mother or father, or, uh, not have to, but their family, and you're called on, if you want them in your life, you're going to have to, they're not going to change. You can't get them to change because you can't control other people. And you really want to know how to manage yourself when you have somebody who you find intolerable, then pay attention because this transmission also is for you. Um, yeah, it, it's it's for you. So uh, how can I, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm going to ask. And how do I let go of these patterns? So to begin, here's what I want to start. Based on your experiences growing up, you have experienced things, and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk and get a little bit uh, controversial here and make you a little bit uncomfortable with your permission and trigger you if I have, uh, if I have your permission, um, and tell you that, let's say you went through something that you've deemed very shameful, or you've done something shameful. We did a whole a uh, group call yesterday on shame. It was very powerful. And let's say it was something sexual. You were participating in something that happened with sexuality when you were younger that you were witness to or that you were a participant in, whether it was your volition, your, your choice, or it was done to you. Naturally, what will happen is a story will be made up in your mind because you're experiencing feelings that likely weren't explained to you by an adult and the story that you're likely going to make 
is, guess what it is? Take a wild guess what that story is that you're going to make about yourself. Take a moment and just take a guess. What's the story you're going to make about yourself when you experience something that you then deem that, that is shameful, that's secretive, that is shocking? The story you're going to make is, I'm a bad person. And this is the greatest threat to our ego, is perceiving that we are bad people. We actually go to great lengths in our lives to convince ourselves and other people that we're great people. If you've ever been pleasing, constantly pleasing, philanthropizing, being a philanthropist, doing things for others, I'm just giving you a hint here, constantly helping, fixing, pleasing, consistently, thinking that you're doing it for others, what you're unaware of in all likelihood is there's something hiding in your shadows. And that thing that's hiding in the shadows is a sense of unworthiness because of something that you did or didn't do, something that you were a witness to that you didn't do, you didn't stand up for, you didn't did the wrong thing and you now made up a story on bad, you are now going to step into a new identity where you're a bad person and create an identity that allows you to not have to deal with that uncomfortable feeling. You will act out in ways of chronically pleasing other people. You will choose relationships where that self-hate will be reflected to you. Let me say that again. This is going to maybe trigger one or two of you. You're going, when you have that in your psyche, deep in your psyche, you will unconsciously, and I'm, when I'm saying you, I'm not trying to call you out, we, we will unconsciously choose and create scenarios which we will then feel attacked. We will then beat ourselves up. We will then delegate the beating of ourselves to other people. We will allow ourselves to be bullied. We will teach the world, we energetically teach the others, the world, how to treat us by the way that we feel about ourselves. We can feel it in others. For example, right now, I don't have to tell you with the content. However, my eye contact with you, the tone of my voice, the safety and the comfort that I feel in my body and even though it's on camera and you can tell if I'm faking a feeling of safety in my body it's very obvious I watch we, we, we want you can watch somebody on camera and you can tell if they're full of shit because it's not about what they say what we say it's the 93% nonverbal cues this is the nervous system tone that comes through us and it's so powerful that even infants my three-week-old son can feel it if i'm present with him and i'm looking at him he's like Ooh, he's regulated i've co-regulated with him but then if i'm holding him in my hand and then i'm scrolling through facebook and i'm answering something and i'm like not feeling so great and i'm like Ugh! talking bad, like, you know, 
calling out a troll? Or is it saying F you to a troll? <laughs> All of a sudden, he can sense and feel that energy from me. And he starts reacting. This was the biggest lesson that I learned from my three-week-old son is that my attention, my intention, and how I feel about myself is felt by him. So much so that if there's a whole day I'm at the office and I come home and Diana's frustrated because he's been crying all day and then just in the state that I'm in, I pick him up and I hold him with me and just how I am, just my energy and my nervous system tone spills over to him. I rock him within five minutes. I put him in his little swing that kind of goes side to side. And Diana looks, her jaw drops open and goes, what the fuck? Like, how did you do that? And I know now that I wouldn't have known years ago was that how I feel inside is transferred into the, into the child. Think about it in your life. When you grew up, and you saw your parents conflicting. Did you grow up in a household where your parents were actually connected? I didn't. Like, my parents don't actually like one another. <laughs> they're together, you know, but they're like, they're, they're an old couple now. And they, you know, they, they don't like one another. <laughs> I love them. They're great. They're funny. They love one another. They don't enjoy, they don't have intimacy. The energy between them was never, like, great from my experience. So uh, that's what I modeled. And now that I, and, and I created that in my relationships until I did that work to heal those attachment traumas. And then now the relationship that I have, like my number one priority is to make sure that Diana and I are uh, attuned, that our, that our attachments, that our fiber optic cables are attached and then when there is a rupture because we're human beings we're, we're not perfect and we have conflict that's not the point we have a conflict with a few cords that are ruptured within a very short time within a matter of minutes to hours i know i have the skills to be able to create you've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired, to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Create that. Why is that important? Because my son can feel it. And the amount of attachment cords that I have connected with my wife is the degree of safety that my son will feel in, our, in the container of our home. That's how serious I'm taking this. That's why this is so important to me.
I committed to doing more transmissions. Like when I did this at first during COVID, I started this group and I committed to going twice a day to give you these tools. And then I got super busy and I'm, you know, I'm lucky if I can get in here three times a week. But I'm committed, I say I'm committed to consistent. Whenever I learn things and integrate what I've learned from helping our clients with these attachment wounds, because it's a process. It's not going to happen with a YouTube video. It's not going to happen with a podcast. It's not going to happen with journaling. God love holistic psychologists. She's amazing. And it is important to do that work, how to do the work and doing that work, journaling, future self journaling, meditation, excuse me, breath work. But you, but make no mistake, there, we have blind spots. I have blind spots. I can't see. So it requires that I'm in a container and I'm sharing it so that I can always see reflections from others. It's important that you have a, a, a tribe, a community of people where you're able to share what's going on and then see yourself in others. There is powerful healing in that dynamic, right? Does it take both partners to be conscious in the healing awareness? No, it does not. That would be ideal in a perfect world, Libby. Uh, in the perfect world, both partners do it, but it doesn't, very seldom does it work that way. Um, but it doesn't, I, one client of mine comes to mind, her and her partner were having such trouble. They were like on the brink of divorce. And she's like, why won't he do the work? And he wasn't. He was just like, this is stupid. He's a construction guy. He's like, hey, why, why I got to do this? And he actually talks like this. His name's Chris. I kind of make fun of him. I'm like, hey, hey well, forget about it. How you doing? Right? And he's he's that guy. He's like, not going to do that kind of work. It's like, hey, forget about it. But she committed to the process, shifted herself, stopped subordinating to his approval, turned into the divine feminine. All of a sudden, he rose and became the king and started doing his own version of the work and learned how to hold space because by virtue of what she became. And we've had cases where the gentleman has done it. And so it's not necessary, but it would be ideal, but only one party needs to commit to the process and the cool part about it is either they will rise up to meet you or you will consciously uncouple and you'll find somebody who is in alignment either way both of you win so that's that's the solution so where does this come from back to the conversation of where does this come from how like how where does this all begin when you have gone through an event in your life which deems you unworthy, I'm a bad person, there's a shame that's happened, you will start to self-punish with your thoughts. Your thoughts will be beating you up. The interesting thing is these, these thoughts don't necessarily come from you. They will come from your father's voice, your mother's voice, religion's voice. It's usually I'm bad, um, you know, you're, there's something wrong with me, I'm bad, and this automatically uncover, like undercover runs your life. And when you have that deep feeling of shame and self-punishment, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start talking to yourself unconsciously in horrible ways, and because you talk to yourself in those horrible ways and you treat yourself in those horrible ways because of the story that came up from those early shameful experiences you haven't yet learned how to resolve, then you start attracting partners who then start to treat you 
in alignment with the way that you feel about yourself. And you won't have any boundaries and say, no, 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 I'm not going to accept that. You actually accept being treated that way. So it happens once they kind of energetically push you or physically push you. And because you feel worthy of that kind of behavior, you don't set a boundary. In fact, you don't know what boundaries are. You don't feel worthy of having boundaries. You don't feel worthy of having desires. You don't feel worthy of having those needs met. These are the consequences of those early attachment traumas and things that we've gone through that has us feeling ashamed. We then start to punish ourselves. And because energetically we punish ourselves, physically we punish ourselves, skin picking, hair pulling, uh, cutting, anorexia, it's like, or, or like exercising really hard, it's all unconscious self-punishment. And then we get into relationships with people who emotionally beat us up, who physically beat us up, who basically treat us the way we're actually feeling about ourselves. Now, please understand, I'm not saying this is your fault. One of the biggest haters, hates, hates, uh, hate mail that I get is that people think that I'm victim blaming. I'm not victim blaming. I'm not saying it's your fault that they treat you this way. I'm saying that if you fully healed those wounds that had you feeling that way about you, you no longer tolerate that kind of, uh, behavior that behavior comes to you and you're like uh no that's i'm not available for that right whereas when your self-esteem is so low and you've been beaten down so much emotionally you and you haven't healed from those early attachment wounds you then feel unworthy of being treated well in fact when someone treats you well you push it away have you ever experienced that if you don't believe me, take a look. If you think, you know, if, if you're in the clouds here and you haven't really looked, when somebody treats you well or pleases you or gives to you, if you're a pleaser, you just want to give, 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 please other people because you feel unworthy because you're holding on to shame, it's not resolved. And you saying, oh, I do for others. What about for me? Those people, when you turn around and you give to them or you give, pay them a compliment, they're like, no, 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 I'm not worthy. You energetically, you push away all acts of love, all acts of love that are given to you. You can't see, you don't acknowledge because you don't feel you're worthy. One of my clients, Sandy, her husband, salt of the earth, amazing guy, constantly goes up and hugs her. And she goes, when he hugs me, I feel like gross. I want to push him away. And it's, it's hurt their intimacy. He's, they have a lovely marriage, a lovely guy, but she can't accept it guess why? Well, early attachment traumas that had her feeling like she doesn't deserve it. So if you deep down feel like you don't deserve it, you will sit there complaining that you're not getting enough love. But what you don't see is that no matter how much love anyone gives you, it's never going to be enough. And what will happen is you'll experience your relationships with people in like that and you're going to say, oh, you're not giving me love. You're not giving it to me. But then they're going to say, we can't, you're going to hear this a lot. Here's a telltale sign. I want you to look. I can't win with you. Let me say that again. No matter how hard I try to give you, it's never enough. I can't win with you. If you've ever heard your partner say that to you, 
Let me say it again. No matter how hard I try, I can't win with you. There's no winning with you. What your partner is saying is, I've tried. You can't see all of my attempts to show you love. You keep rejecting it. You don't accept it. I can't win. You just complain that I don't give enough. So no matter how much I give, it's never enough. I can't win with you. That's a little signal that you're holding on to an at attachment trauma with unresolved shame and unworthiness that pushes love away <clears throat> even when it's offered to you yet, you, yet you still feel not seen, not loved, not appreciated, but you're not seeing what's in your shadow is people are giving love according to their values, but you're just constantly pushing it away because nobody can get rid of that unworthiness but you. Let me say that again. Nobody can really get rid of that unworthiness but you. It's nobody else's, it's nobody else's uh, job. And if you don't take care of it, you will then make it your partner's job. You're going to make it your boss's job. You're going to make it, here's the best one, you're going to make it your children's job to make you feel worthy. And it sucks to be a child that has been given the job of making their parent feel worthy. Think of your childhood and how you might have felt that way. And now you have the underlying root cause of how intergenerational trauma keeps passing because of people just wanting to hold on to their resentment. People who have attachment traumas, holding on to self-punishment, unworthiness, shame, and now we punish ourselves with thoughts of unworthiness and obtrusive thoughts, constantly beating ourselves up. Why can't you let go of them? Because you haven't let go of your shame. You haven't learned how to alchemize, integrate your shadow and shame. That's why. If you haven't, you will have obtrusive thoughts as a self-punishment. You get to punish yourself because of how you feel about yourself, because you haven't healed those attachment traumas. Is this making sex? Sex. <laughs> Freudian. <laughs> Is this making sense? So why do you keep, you know, why do you keep repeating and, and pleasing and unworthiness because of shame. The answer is to expose what you're ashamed of. And I know it's scary. It's like you, what, you, what I'm saying, some people start to feel sick. I've had people like Jen, she basically said, oh my God, I'm feeling sick listening to your transmission. I'm like, okay, there it is. If what I'm saying triggers you, then that's a sign. Your body is letting you know the truth. There is nothing more triggering than the truth. If I say something that triggers you, pay attention because your body is saying, oh shit, this is true. So number one, learn how to alchemize your shame. Shame thrives in the dark and does not exist when you expose it. We did a beautiful group call yesterday in our program where we just exposed shame. We talked about shame. I shared my shame. I, I led with some of my shames. <laughs> Fuck, was that uncomfortable. But what happened was it created like a little bit of a, like a 
domino effect where people started exposing parts that they were hiding. And then in our Facebook group, in my private mastermind, like five or six people, all right, I'm sharing my shame. I'm following everyone's lead. Ooh, everybody's so brave. It's my turn. And that was yesterday. I messaged all of them. They're like, oh, I feel so relieved. That's how healing happens. It doesn't happen in a therapist's office. It happens, well, it can. And we do need to have one-on-one -on -one time to be able to have somebody really pay attention and really teach us how to see ourselves, teach us how to hold space for ourselves, to have a great coach or mentor really teach you how to hold space for yourself by being the one to hold space for you is, is, is like, oh, it saved me. It's the only thing. It's the first, because we, when you have such shame, you're beating yourself up to be able to be held in a space where you can share it and then not feel judged. It's very rare and uh, very healing. And that's why I would love to create that same space. So the second reason why you keep attracting is, well, because of shame and unworthiness that's unresolved. Second is it's familiar to you. That feeling is so familiar, it's actually in your body. So you've equated that with love, Kathy. That means love to you because of what's still in your body from those attachment wounds. So you can sit here and rationally say, okay, now I'm committed to finding people who aren't going to treat me like shit, who aren't abusive. And that sounds like an amazing, uh, rational game plan. And the reality hits is that those healthy, secure people don't attract you. Don't, you're not attracted to them. You're attracted to the chaos because of those unresolved attachment traumas based on the shame that you're holding on to. Again, we keep going upstream. And if we don't heal that, we keep going in. We hit, hit our 30s. We hit our 40s. And then life has passed us by and we're still stuck not being able to have a family because we still are little children and victims. That's what one of my clients, she was like, oh my God, that's why I had those thoughts and I was punishing myself is deep down inside I wasn't ready for a family. I still felt like a child. Bingo! Exactly. You got to admit it to shift it. You got to first admit it to shift it. And admitting it is the hardest thing because we don't want to see ourselves as bad because that's shameful. <laughs> There's that pesky old shame we don't know how to work through. Learning how to work through shame has been the greatest tool that I've ever encountered. That's what my methodology helps heal is dissolving shame. Um, and dissolving your shame makes you unfuckwithable, makes you be able to tell the truth in any situation, which makes you the most powerful person in the room. And not that you know, we should all try to be powerful, but <laughs> powerful, not forceful. Powerful meaning standing in my truth and able to speak truthfully, feeling safe in my body. That to me is power. Having autonomy over where I put my attention and my thoughts, that's power. When we are holding on to our shame, we give our power away to it. We are run by it. And that's not only maddening here, but that's toxic to the body. And I want, and I will just, I'm only interested in healing it. So 
resolving the shame it's you're doing it because it's familiar in your body and in order to heal that you must stop doing podcasts and weekend experiences and actually Kathy commit to what you really know needs to happen is to find a tribe find a community find a guide to walk you through your blind spots that are running your life because no amount of willpower stops stops it and it, it it's not it's not shameful to get help gosh i didn't get to where i am alone there's no way this is a team effort <laughs> this this here has been a team effort my son having my family has been a team effort of a lot of healing to get here and it's my greatest reward greatest accomplishment the last question is how do i love a daughter um how do i love a daughter who's narcissistic here's what you do uh, Carl Jung says that what irritates us in others is a reflection of, of what we can learn about ourselves. And what your daughter is here to do, I'm glad I learned this before I had kids, is your daughter is here to expose, through her behavior, disowned parts of yourself. So her narcissistic side, the reason why it pisses you off so much is because you have a narcissistic part of you that you have abandoned, that you have cast away that you've judged so harshly as wrong that you're not okay with. So you're not okay with parts of you. And your daughter's job is to expose parts of you that you're not okay with. And you're going to want to try to change her, but the more you try to change her, the more stronger her behavior becomes. And that's kind of to show you that you can't ignore your shadows. She's representing what's in your shadows, the unloved parts of yourself, the parts of you that you're trying to hide. I call it your dark passenger because I'm a big Dexter fan. And she is exposing your dark passenger. And she's mirroring her, the exact behavior that your younger part uh, that hasn't yet fully healed uh, is, is exhibiting, was exhibiting. And what's happening is she's trying to get you to love you. And the more you resist her, the more she persists. Now, you might think, no, I'm not a narcissist. I'm not that. But there's a part of you that is. Usually, pay attention, around the age that she is, you were. It's kind of like like cosmic giggle, where the universe, uh, where you were a pain in the ass when you were like 16 years old. Guess what? You know, they say, just wait till you have your own teenager, and then it's payback time. It's payback time, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I don't even know you, so it's not personable to you. personal to you. It's universal to all of us. And it's wise, instead of judging her and labeling her, stop you know take that magnifying glass put it away and pick up a mirror instead and use that to integrate those disowned parts now what do i mean by that well it's a skill this is part of what the overview method is is not running away from parts of yourself but really owning and facing and feeling and and empathizing with why you had to show up that way what wounds did you grow up with that had you showing up as a narcissist because narcissists become narcissists and I'm saying it just loosely because we all are covert narcissists we become covertly narcissistic when we don't feel seen when we grow up not having the feeling of being seen we don't have a healthy sense of self why would we have that growing up well because we had parents 
that don't have healthy self senses of self, who know how to emotionally attune to us. So we need to act out and become extremely needy because we didn't get our needs met emotionally growing up. Now, I'm not saying this to shame you as a mother because God knows I know you're already run by mother guilt. That's probably what's part of the pain that you're experiencing with your daughter is the fact that, oh, fuck, there's a part of you that knows that you're partially responsible for the wounding that has her showing up like a narcissist and that feels shameful and it's time for you to alchemize and heal it so if you want to help your daughter just stop pointing the finger at her and realize there's three fingers pointing back at you and get to work and so what worked am i saying how do you do this if any of this is making sense to you and you're like all right He's talking about me. I feel like he's talking about me. He's triggering the fuck out of me. I hate him already. Pay attention to that. There's a sign. That's your psyche. That's your soul calling you to heal. And your ego's going to want to come up with a million excuses why you shouldn't. It's not safe. This is an internet scam. He's not qualified. They're going to all come up, and that's okay. I've heard them all. What you do is, you, you don't have to do this with me or and my my team, that's fine. I'm not a fit for it. We're not a fit for everyone. We have a interview process in order to do this. But consider the possibility that you have some blind, blind spots and it's time for you to find a guide to help you with those for the purpose of healing and strengthening and becoming trigger proof so that other people's opinions, <coughs> other people's narcissism, other people's lack of support for you, doesn't stop you from loving yourself and then in turn appreciating them. That's the holy grail. That's how you become unfuckwithable. By dissolving your shame, healing your attachment wounds, and, um, you know, really giving yourself per per permission to, to step up into your true leadership rather than the child victim that's been running the show, that's been impacting your health, that's causing you to not take as good care of yourself we all have parts of us that need to grow up. And instead of pointing the finger and all that stuff, wiser for us to really commit to the work of doing that. And all of a sudden, the world around us starts to change. You become less, less needy of approval and fearful of criticism. And you become more inner guided. You become heart-centered. You become more securely attached. You feel healthier in your body. Your anxiety goes down. You have, like, you know a flow, an ease in a flow of life, and then you, relationships that were just once so scary to you all of a sudden now start to feel nourishing. So I have a, a link that's coming up for our event tomorrow. It's three hours long. It's from noon to 3 p.m. Pacific, or that's early Sunday morning. In Australia, that's, I think, 6 a.m. In, in Sydney. Um, I would love it if you feel called. Um, we are like so many people that I don't even know where they're coming from. They've signed up and you're in for a treat when you come. This is what the cool kids get to do <laughs> that, that, are, that are there. You're going to uh, have me, I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of your nervous system, the three different states that we can find ourselves in so that you can have self-awareness. That's the first step. So that you don't judge your feelings so that you can now know, all right, I'm in dorsal. Here's what I need to do to bring myself up into ventral to open my heart and have connection. Oh, I'm in sympathetic. All right, I know what I need to do. I got to get out, move my body, get into breath, 
these are the thoughts that come when I'm in sympathetic. Like you really get to understand yourself in a, at, at a fundamental uh, nervous system level. Then I guide you through an inner child rescue meditation. There is a younger part of you that feels abandoned. And so what we're going to do is uh, walk you through the reconnection. Now, some of you have come two, three times. So each time is just like more powerful. The most powerful that I experienced was that first time. If this is your first time, you're in for a treat because if you haven't had an inner child meditation, you haven't met that younger part of you who felt abandoned, who felt uh, like there was something wrong with them, who didn't feel validated. It's incredibly painful to experience and witness the degree of misunderstanding and invalidation that they grew up with. It's very painful. Yet the pain that you connect with is very purifying because what comes through on the other side is absolute liberation. And once we've done that, then I guide you into a one-hour beautiful conscious connected breathing meditation and I lead you and guide you through it where you continue that conversation with that younger self and this is all happening within you uh, your you and your unconscious mind you and your ego the battle with your ego and then we finish and you're like all right we share what was that like for you and that's where the power that's where the magic happens and this is one of the most amazing events I've ever you know experienced myself uh, that I, it's one of the most fun events that I get to host and the feedback has been unreal in fact click on that link and then read and watch the video and read all of the like experiences that people had like there's tears in my eyes when I read them and all from breathing so it's a really great community I really look forward to you know you've if you've already registered, you're in for a real treat. And there is a satisfaction guarantee, no questions asked. If you want your money back, <coughs> no problem. I want to expose this to as many people and remove all risks so that you can really step into taking the risk of showing up and healing because nothing's going to happen without action. So you can take a very powerful step forward towards healing, take action, you're now accessing different parts of your nervous system through that action. And I honor that and I can't wait to share it with you. So let me know if this was um, relevant for you. What was your big takeaway from this? And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Many of you who are jumping in in the community, I can't wait. I'll maybe bring Dominic and introduce him to you. Uh, he's on the boob right now. And uh, we're about to go to Costco. This is my Friday night, and I got to say I'm really proud of it because the old me would have had to, you know, text and figure out who I'm dating tonight, who am I going out with, am I going to score, what the heck, you know. I'm so grateful that I'm going to Costco with my wife and son, and that's the amount of excitement that I look forward to on my Friday night, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. And it feels like home, and I just want for you to experience the same thing. See you at the next perfect time.